Yeah, season is upon us. Tis the season. Boy, that was lame. Uh, If you need more lame but hopefully chuckle-worthy comments like that, make sure you're checking out my other podcast, The Sphere of Roach. It's just me talking about things that are on my mind. Quick bursts, quick bursts of that kind of stuff. You can get that through the iHeartRadio app, Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to The Sphere of Roach. Wherever you got this podcast, you can listen to The Sphere of Roach. Speaking of this podcast, let's get into it. Colorado Rapids, Vancouver Whitecaps, Orlando City SC, Montreal Impact, NYC FC, Seattle Sounders. Pitch Pass, your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. I made the cheesy joke at the beginning, but it's true. Tis the season. MLS 2019 is finally upon us. First weekend of MLS action is here. We've got to get you all primed for what I think is the marquee matchup of the weekend. DC United hosting the MLS Cup champions, Atlanta United. Always interesting subplots when these two teams get together. And it's the first match of the season, which makes it even more interesting. Later, we'll talk to Felipe Cardenas, who covers Atlanta United for, wait for it, The Athletic. You know I'm an athletic stand. I love that site. And he is doing fantastic work following that team. But before we get the five stripes side of this upcoming matchup, let's get the black and red side of this upcoming matchup with one of the foundations of DC United teams for the last few years and hopefully this upcoming year. Defender Steven Birnbaum joins us right now. Steven, how are you? Welcome to Pitch Pass. Rose, what's going on, man? Uh, well, not much. It's it's great to finally talk to you. I feel like we have been uh, orbiting each other's universe for many, many years, but we've never actually met or talked, so it's great to finally meet you. Very much so. I know Bobby Boswell uh, used to talk a lot about you and uh, high praise, and I, I still appreciate those Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets. I know that was... Uh... That was a big deal to me. I really appreciate that. Uh, Bobby Boswell speaking some in in high terms about somebody is that like a is that a validation or do you start getting skeptical? Look, that's a rare occasion. I don't think it happens too often. So, <laughs> well, know, I got to take it for his word when that does happen. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take it. Now you got you got to judge for yourself in the in the course of this conversation. And uh, I'm really glad you're joining the show. Although I do have to ask you, uh, you know, obviously I set this up with with Sam, who is uh, the communications guy for DC United. He, he titled yeah. the the email "Big Dog Burn Bomb." And, and I'm thinking to myself, is, I, I hope that's a Sam Leg only thing. Is that your nickname within the organization? It's funny because I think actually Bobby turned, <laughs> turned that name into something, and uh-huh. actually people around the locker room kind of call me that. So uh, it's taken a little bit, but... Yes, that's a Sam Leg thing. Uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> all right, good. Because, you know, if Bobby, I could see him being that cheesy. But I also yeah. am like, you know what? It is kind of a cool – it's like a big game James or a big shot Bob for Robert Ory yeah, back yeah. in the day. Look, I, if, I'm, if I'm on that level, you can start <laughs> calling me that. But I don't know about that yet. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, I'm not going to call you Big Dog for the rest of the conversation. Just know in my head I am saying Big Dog Burnbaum every time we, talk, we have a conversation. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. Uh, congratulations, by the way. You got married in the off season, correct? I did. I did. Thank you very much. Was uh, Was it hard to find groomsmen? And I say that because I feel like, judging by Instagram, every single player in MLS got married this off season. 
You know what? It's funny. Um, that, that's true. I was involved in about three weddings, uh, including mine this off season. So um, it wasn't hard to find. A lot of them were were hometown guys who weren't really in the stalker scene. So um, which was nice. I didn't have to deal with too many of those. Uh, you know, the pro soccer schedule, but um, it was great, man. It was just an awesome time for 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 our family, and just really enjoyed it. And it worked out. It worked out great. I'm I'm glad it's over, though. I'll say that. Oh, exa- uh, the planning stage is ridiculous. So having it, and now we're just we're just married is the best thing in the world. It's it's the greatest feeling. We feel like we have so much time on our hands, and we can talk about whatever. It doesn't have to be about wedding planning exactly. or honeymoon <laughs> planning. It's, it's an amazing feeling. <laughs> uh, I would assume low on the list of things you talk about now is the taste of cakes. Yeah. Yeah, we don't really talk too much about it. Yeah. We don't need to. Um, we don't, we, I've got enough cake knowledge about you, honey, to last a lifetime. Thank you. Let's talk about something else. Exactly. No, we're we're on to our, you know, just trying to start a family and mm-hmm. just do our own thing and focus on this year, um, both on both our careers, which is nice. You are one of the people, and I always love seeing this uh, with United players. You 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 chose to live in the city. Are you still in the the district proper? I am. I live in uh, right uh, just off the Logan Circle, so I'm right right in the mix. What was the thought process? Um, I, I know you are a Cali boy. Did you grow up in a kind of an urban environment, and or did you kind of want to experience the city from within the city? You know, it's funny. I grew up in the in the suburbs in Irvine, in, in Southern California, and then um, I went to Berkeley and lived in kind of a, a Berkeley, you know, hipster scene, yep. and then. I got drafted to uh, to DC and lived in Arlington for a couple of years. Along, you know, along with Chris Pontius, I lived with him for you know about a year and a half. And then uh, uh, when I met my my now wife, uh, she convinced she lived in Glover Park at the time. And then she's like, you know what? If we're gonna move in together, she's like, I'm not moving to Arlington. So you're coming <laughs> to the city. And and she was kind of the the force behind it. And you know what? It was the best decision we ever made. And um, we've been the same place now in Logan Circle for three years, and we we absolutely love it. Why well, I, uh, I lived in the city for a while for the marriage, and then the kids came. The kids is when we had to move into the suburbs. Uh, it's a different <laughs> vibe living in the city. Uh, as a professional athlete, do you feel a more of a connection with the city by living in the city proper and not a suburban area where you're coming in every day? A hundred percent. I think it's. Uh, I think that anyone who plays for professionally and lives in that city, especially where the stadium is now in, in, uh, you know, Navy yard. Um, there's a lot of buzz around the city that, you know, guys, I don't think realize, um, that live in either Alexandria or out, you know, out in the birds that, you know, people are supporting DC United and, um, you know, I, I don't really get recognized, but I ride my bike around the city and, um, it's just good to see people wearing DC gear or, you know, local bars supporting, you know, got stickers up or whatever. It's just, you know, it's cool because you don't see that out in the burbs. I'm going to look forward to, at some point this season, you posting on Instagram uh, a picture of a guy at a bar at a burn bomb jersey and you just taking a selfie over his shoulder with him being unaware. You know what? Uh, that's that's actually a goal of mine, to see someone in my jersey <laughs> and, in the city, and I will definitely snap that. That's uh, You don't have a problem with that. I'll, I'll try and take a picture. So, And I've asked a couple of the guys this uh, during the offseason – was uh did you and your wife have you started conversations about what's going to happen uh i assume next year when when loudon and the training center is online that's a hell of a commute out of the city every day look um yeah the the talks have have happened definitely um but we 
you know, we're, we're still renting right now. So we're definitely, you know, mobile and can move, um, anywhere. But, uh, you know, as of now, my wife's going to work up in Annapolis. So, oh, geez. Uh, we're kind of, we're kind of having to split the difference. Uh, and I think I'm going to have to do the commute out to, <laughs> out to Loudoun from DC. So, um, it's one of those things where I just gotta, you know, we gotta do it for both our careers cause yeah. it would be too brutal for her to, you know, do that, make that commute. Oh no, you can, you couldn't live in Loudoun. That's a, that's a non-starter no. on a conversation, no. Stephen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not even possible. Uh, the, the closest thing I think, you know, if we're starting a family and all that stuff would be me be maybe like Bethesda or Chevy Chase. Area. Yeah, maybe or Tyson's or. Yeah, you're right. Because she's going to Naples. You probably still want to be on the Maryland side. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that's that's kind of in the talks. But, you know, right, we're just kind of seeing what happens with that whole facility. And um, we're focused now just on this year with, with both our, our things going on. Absolutely. Uh, what were the two? I forgot to ask you the, the the two other weddings you were in. Were they MLS? professionals who were they uh chris pontius of course uh, yeah i was in i was in his i i wasn't able to make it to jared jeffries down in mexico because we were on our honeymoon um and then one of my best friends from from high school got married as well in uh the end of november so it was a busy off season it, it really was, was uh, and it was you good. add in russell canals uh is there any pressure uh on paul Ariola to uh to make an honest woman of his lady I mean, I'm sure there is. I'm sure got. it is from the ladies on his side, but are, are the exactly. guys looking around going, hey, man, I don't know if you got the memo. We're all getting married this offseason. <laughs> yeah. No, I, look, I, I, my advice to anyone who's getting married is do a quick engagement in a small wedding. <laughs> it's, it's nice. Vegas it's is a very out. nice trip, and you can do it in a weekend. <laughs> Exactly. Save the money. <laughs> um, so I want to I want to kind of get into the the season, uh, but I I want to get the an on the ground kind of assessment of how you guys felt in the preseason. Uh, most of the games were not streamed, so we got a chance yeah. to see you in the last two games. The Montreal game wasn't the best game to watch. Uh, there's a little bit of nerves, at least from uh, hardcore United fans, of what we saw. Uh, lay those fears and tell me we got the bad game out of our system in Clearwater and we're ready to go for Sunday against Atlanta. You know, I think that game was, was really good for us. Um, you know, because it kind of punched us in the face and woke us up a little bit. Um, I thought the preseason as a whole was, was solid. We got a lot of things down where we're going to play a little bit more possession-based style this year. Um, obviously, it depends on the opponent, but that's our goal is to be um, an entertaining possession-style team. I, sp- I think uh, you're going to see that, obviously, with our attacking, you know, five or six up there that, you know, with Lucho and Wayne, it's, you know, it's pretty anyways. Um, so I, I think that uh, fans can, can be put at rest a little bit and not take – too much into that game. I think a lot of things were going right for them, and uh, you know, preseason's long, and um, you know, it just didn't, wasn't going our way that night. And I think it was a good wake up call for us. I think guys are are ready and excited to you know have this home opener against the champs in Atlanta, and you know, we want to show the league and you know, especially our fans that we're here to compete this year and 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 make a push for the cup. You talked about wanting and emphasizing possession and being a possession-based team this year. That's the thing that I noticed in watching the two preseason games that I had a chance to catch is that you really got you really made it a point of emphasis for building out of the back. And it was it looked a little awkward, a little uncomfortable. How has that adjustment been? And uh, I know it's preseason, but it's got to be something that you're going to continue to work on as you get into the season and as you get more comfortable with it. How did it feel to you to kind of play and start off with building out of the back. 
look, I enjoy it. I think it's, I think it's great. Um, you know, that's the new way of soccer. That's the way things are going. And um, if we can make teams defend for longer bouts, that's, you know, it only gives us more energy and more chances at, at scoring. So, um, you know, that's, that was a, a big emphasis for us this, this preseason. And, um, you know, I mean, it's preseason, so things are going to happen. We're going to try different things out and, um, you know, maybe it doesn't go our way, but in the fans, you know, need to understand that, you know, it's preseason and we're just still trying to uh, incorporate new things into our game. So, um, obviously, there's going to be times where we're going to have to lump it forward and, mm-hmm. you know, go fight it out against uh, specific specific teams and, you know, different moments in the game. So, um, I mean, it, it's not like we're going to – we're not going to live and die by it, but it's something we wanted to throw into the mix this year for sure. Yeah, and I definitely – that's the vibe I got in the preseason. Last year, I saw a lot of you guys – uh, setting up to build out of the back, and then we got the Bill Hamid push up, push up, push up, and then everybody starts that jog upfield. Whereas in the preseason, I, I would assume Ben was like, "Hey, these are preseason matches. No, no push up, push up. We're building out of the back, and whatever happens, happens." Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you're going to see that at times teams are going to be well set up for a press against us, and we can't. You know, it's just not possible to build out of the back, yep. and you know, we don't want to put ourselves in bad situations. So there will definitely be a lot of times this year where, you know, he's got a goal kick and, or, you know, whatever he's got in his hands and uh, he's going to push us up and we're going to just fight for second balls and start our attack up in their half. So um, that's also a good way of getting the ball up there. There's no right or wrong way. It's just um, something we wanted to work on a lot this year. You had a great season last year, uh, played a ton of minutes, uh, felt like for a lot of people, as far as the press is concerned, that it was a bounce-back season for Steven Birnbaum. Did it feel like a bounce-back season to you? And if it was, is it just, can you attribute it to your health, or did you make a, a, a developmental growth last year? Um, biggest thing for me uh, going into last season was health. Um, you know, I had uh, the year previous, um, a couple concussions, and that really uh, kind of threw me for a loop, I think, mentally. And going into last season, it was, I made it, uh, you know, a big deal for myself. I said, I wanted to play, I want to play as many games as I can. I want to be healthy. And I think my fitness was better last year. And that was a big, a big um, contribution to me playing every minute of every game. So uh, that's what I focused on a lot this off season. Uh, my fitness and my strength just so that I can be healthy. And I think that was the biggest thing for me uh, last year. I'm sure you read uh, over the years that Steven Birnbaum is a really good player, but he needs to be paired with a thinker in, in defense. How much does that, does that chap your ass when you read that as the scouting report on you? Yeah, it doesn't make me happy. Um, I think that a lot more, goes into it than people think. I think that um, last year you saw even in the beginning of the season where we were giving up goals, but um, wasn't necessarily um, a ton of the the defenses fall. I think it it may have been formation and we switched that and we put two defensive mids in there and um, got, you know, Russell Knauss back or, or whatever. So um, I think there's a lot, a lot of different, you know, things that happen that, you know, can go, and contribute to, you know, a backline success. So, um, you know, I'm just happy to pair with anyone. And, you know, as long as we have good chemistry, it works out well. And I feel like, you know, if, if you didn't put it to rest forever, you, you really 
put it to sleep for a while. Uh, in that, you you paired well with Frederick, who is the veteran person that people say that you need. But you also paired really well with Kofi, who is basically your age group. Uh, so you have, would have to at least, at the very least, share the thinking. Uh, do you feel that that now we can move past any whispers of that as far as your play is yeah. concerned? Yeah, you know, I try not to think about that at all. I'm I'm out there doing doing my best and trying to lead the guys, um, you know, from the back. And my job is to organize, and I'm I'm organizing as much as possible and giving information to our D mids and and the outside backs and the other center backs. So um, it's all about chemistry in the back and knowing where um, you know each other are. And it, it takes time. You know, you can't just throw someone back there and and be you know a good pairing. So uh, it, it's a lot of practice together. It's a lot of figuring out each other's tendencies. so and, and that's the main thing that I don't think people realize. Steven, you're a great central defender. I am a fantastic interviewer. I, just like <laughs> you, would gauge a striker's run and be in that spot before they got there. I gauged that answer coming from you, and now I'm standing in the spot, and now I'm going to rephrase the question in a way that I'm going to have to make you answer it. Are you ready, Steven? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to rock. So, you look at guys like Frederick Bionk. Completely different player than someone like Donovan Pines or even Jalen Robinson. How do your responsibilities change when you're playing with somebody who is in their 30s and is a veteran versus somebody who is in their early 20s and is looking to you for guidance? Yeah, Steven, Steven, um, Steven, did great. I nail that? You, that was a great question. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that was a great question. I think. I think um, the biggest thing is, so when you play with a young guy, um, a lot of it's kind of giving information, even if it's basic, just giving them information and being positive throughout the process. You know, um, if they make a mistake or if they're in the wrong, uh, the wrong place or something, it's, it's about being positive and talking to them and pulling them aside, kind of being like, hey, this is what I saw. I think this is what you could have done better in that situation or um, you know, I'm trying to tell you and, and kind of give you information because I see it this way. Um, and I think that, you know, I got, I've done that a lot with Donovan and even Jalen. We, we talk a lot about that. And then, you know, with Fred, it's just about um, us communicating and uh, knowing where each other are. You know, it's, it, he knows what to do. He's been around the league. He's been a pro for forever. So um, it's not giving basic information where it's, yeah, I would with maybe Donovan, who's, you know, a rookie saying, hey, open up, give him an angle uh, for the outside back. I, I wouldn't say that to Fred. He already, you know, he already understands that, I guess. I, uh, I appreciate that you did not start your conversation about Donovan Pines by saying, you know what, a lot of the same things Bobby Boswell used to do with me. But you didn't give him any credit, and I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you saw, uh, because a lot of uh, a lot of fans of DC United are, were very excited when when Donovan signed his homegrown contract. Just looking at the the, the physical tools that he has was exciting. What he did and accomplished with the University of Maryland was exciting. What have you seen from him in the preseason that should get us even more excited about his future? Well, he's got things you can't teach. He's got size. He's got speed. Um, he's got length. So um, that right there is, is exciting in general. Um, you know, he's, he covers a lot of ground, which I don't know if people realize either. Um, he can cover a lot of ground. Uh, and and he's, he's sound defensively. So um, I think he's, he's, he's great. He's going to be really good for us um, at some point. Don't know when that, you know, I don't, don't know if he's, he's a starter from day one, but um, he's, he's a good, a good signing for us. And, and there's a lot to be excited. He's got a ton of potential there and he, he's a good guy. He's a good kid. He's, 
he's learned a lot this preseason, I think. He takes it all in, and um, I think that the fans should be really excited about him signing. Ben loves when you are chasing a game uh, at the end to push up a central defender into that number nine role to bring headers down. Uh, Bobby was 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 the guy when he moved on. You became the guy to push up. Did you have a quiet word with Donovan and say to him, "Hey, look, man, just so you know, I'm I'm the emergency striker. Don't even try to plot on it." I haven't yet. No, that's a, I need to though. I need you, to. Make you sure you that's need clear. to. I need to make sure that's clear. You know what? My my biggest thing when I go up uh, as a forward, I guess, a quasi-forward, is just to cause mayhem. I just bump guys and beat them up and <laughs> try and get knockdowns and just cause mayhem in the box so that someone can get something on it. That's really it. It sounds like you're doing a lot of uh, central defending, but from up top. That's exactly it. You, got, you hit it on the nose. <laughs> uh, uh, before I let you go, I, I wanted to ask a couple questions about the, the offensive side of the ball. Um, you, you have to go up against them, sadly, every day. How's the chemistry looking? We obviously know about Lucho and Wayne Rooney. Uh, we know what they can do with Paul Ariola. Uh, TT Rodriguez, what can we expect from him uh, offensively and going forward as another piece to the United attack? He's uh, he's really sound, obviously, technically. Um, he's very good. He's quick. Um, he has good vision uh, with passing as well. Um, and he's an exciting player. I think that uh, the fans should be really excited that, you know, he's on our team and um, he's going to tuck in a lot and create from the, the inside, um, the middle, I guess. And uh, you know what? It, it, what I was surprised is, is how good he has, is at winning the ball back. If someone loses it, he has a really good – uh, reactions and he's stronger than he looks. So um, he's really good at that. That was surprising for me. What, um, this is a tough question to ask because you, I, the question is you guys have never been in the position since you've been on the team where you're in now where people are saying MLS contender, DC United, or MLS Cup contender, DC United, one of the teams that is the favorite. Uh, is it a different mindset going into a season with those type of expectations rather than what you're used to, which is if we make the playoffs, that's probably pretty good. I know that's a tough question because uh, as a professional, you're like, hey, look, we got to prepare for every game, every season the same way, but it is different this year. Yes, yeah, you know, it's a little different, I think, just because we have a lot of the same guys that come back. So uh, in years past, we've had a ton of turnover. Um, and it's been a lot about um, finding our identity uh, in preseason. And, you know, maybe we had a slow start. And this year we have a lot of the same guys back, a lot of our core core members that um, were there last year when we made that run. So uh, it's about building on that, I think, and then incorporating the new guys along with that. So um, it's more of just building on what we did last year, I think, instead of looking at the favorites or whatever. We We know that uh, each game's going to be difficult. No one's going to hand us a win. So we got to go out there and fight and scratch and, and, you know, play the way that we did at the end of last season for us to, you know, be competitive and push for, you know, the playoffs this year. Are you in a position, uh, due to your tenure with the club uh, and what you've achieved with the club, to be the one to, to talk to Lucho after everything that happened with PSG or even with Russell uh, and getting called up to the January camp but then not actually playing in any matches? Are you in a position where you feel like you need to go over to those two just to get a head check on where they are, make sure they're back and centered and, and in the right place as you guys get into the season? You know, we, you know, as a group, just welcome Lucho back with open arms. We know how tough that is uh, mentally on him and 
you know, he he came back and um, was so positive and just great and had good energy, um, which, you know, is great to see. And, you know, that, that's a tough thing to think that you're going to PSG, one of the biggest clubs in the world, and then coming back and, you know, it falling through. So um, big props to him on the way he handled it. Yep. Um, that, that would be really tough, um, in my opinion. He did a great job uh, coming back and having that solid work ethic and mentality that we, we've seen from him. So um, that was really pleasing. I, I just, you know, gave him a big hug when he got back, and it was good to see him you know, just smile and be back with the, the group of guys. And with Russell, on the other hand, you know, I, I talked to him because I've, you know, I've been in those positions before yep. where you get called in and don't play. And we talked a little bit about it. And, you know, I just said, you know, come back here. We're excited for you to come back to preseason with us and, um, you know, show them what they're missing. That's basically what I just told him. I said, you know, uh, you're going to ball out and do your thing the same way you did last year. And you're going to get another crack at it. So don't worry about it. Before I let you go, I got to ask you, uh, while you were in Florida, it looked like you had at least one round of golf with uh, Wayne Rooney. Uh, I don't know how many rounds you played. Uh, I would like to know, honestly, what kind of golfer is Wayne Rooney? I don't even ask about you. You Cali boys all know how to play, so I'm not worried about your game. I do want to know what his game's like. Wayne's got some game. I'll tell you what. He's he's a good he's a good golfer. We We only got out once. We had an off day, and we... We were like, you know what, let's go out and, and play a round of golf. Wasn't the best course, and we didn't, play, you know, we no excuses, but we had rental clubs. And, <laughs> it you know, feels like a lot stuff. of excuses are being thrown out uh, for you no know excuses. What? I'm, not, I'm not trying to make excuses, <laughs> but yeah, these are these are valid excuses. <laughs> um, no, he's a good golfer. We're uh, we're pretty similar uh, handicapped, so it's uh, it's nice to go out with them and just kind of. Uh, wind down from soccer and not have to worry about it. And I assume Pontius is on another level as far as the game is concerned? No, don't give him that much credit. Well, that's what I'm asking <laughs> you because he always talks like I, I can't even, I shouldn't even bother asking because he's so good it won't even be any fun. No, Pontius isn't that good. He's Are you sure? Similar. He's very similar to, to my game. He's maybe a stroke or two better at times. I've beaten him, he's beaten me. So we're on the same on the same level. But he's I'll tell you what, out in California, he's golfing a lot more than I am. There. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, now now I don't know. I, the la- I golfed with him twice this offseason, and uh, I, I beat him once, and he beat me once. Okay, but you, you, you've kind of tap danced around the, the answer, which is, what are you guys <laughs> shooting that we're all within a stroke of each other? We're in the low 80s. We're, okay, we're both see, in the low this 80s. is what I'm talking about. You guys are bowler <laughs> golfers. <laughs> low 80s? Get out of here. Low 80s, yeah. Who uh, uh, who yeah. who in the team or in the league really just takes you to the cleaners? Oh gosh, no. There's not many golfers on the team anymore. It was you know who was really good who took me to the cleaners was Davey Arnault, and he actually really taught me a lot about golf, and that's why I got into it in the beginning. Is Davey Arnault is I mean he's a maybe two three handicaps. So All right, so don't play he, with him is what you're saying. Do not play with him. He's got the ugliest swing though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how he gets it down the course. You can't even make fun of it though cuz he's out there beating your ass around the course all day. I can. He's got he's got that old man swing that just dinks it out and goes straight. <laughs> and whereas I'm hooking it three, you know, 250 yards out of bounds. Exactly. I hate when that happens. I hate it. I hate it. I hate um, it. <laughs> uh, yeah, big dog burn bomb. Thank you very much for joining us. I I I wanted to see how it felt. I'm not yeah. there yet, but it, it felt all right. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Thank you for taking the time, and best of luck to you this season. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rush.
Whenever you can have a conversation and you get multiple knocks on Bobby Boswell, it's a successful conversation. Thank you very much, Stephen Birnbaum, for joining us. Uh, Felipe Cardenas will join us to give us the Atlanta United side of this upcoming matchup as he covers the five stripes for the athletic. But first, are you a craft beer lover? Uh, If you are, I have a podcast all about the lifestyle of craft beer. So it's tastings, but it's not only tastings. It's also discussing issues surrounding the craft beer industry. The latest episode is about what happens when a huge brewery like, say, Budweiser acquires your favorite local or regional brewery and what changes and what stigmas come with that. The podcast is called Head Retention. And again, if you're a craft beer lover, it's definitely one you want to check out. You can listen to it through the iHeartRadio app through iTunes, through Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Head Retention is the name of that podcast. Pitch Pass is the name of this podcast. And our next guest, as we get ready for the opening weekend of the MLS season, covers your MLS Cup champions. Yeah, I said your MLS Cup champions. Atlanta United are the champs, but this is a... uh, Big transition year and off-season for them. So to get us up to speed on everything going on, ATL, UTD related, we bring in Felipe Cardenas, who covers Atlanta United for The Athletic. Felipe, welcome to Pitch Pass, sir. How are things in the ATL? It's nice. I think we're, we're getting we're getting closer to spring. Um, honestly, like I grew up in the Midwest, so Atlanta winters aren't usually, they don't usually phase me, but... Uh, I think there's always uh, a big expectation when when March gets closer in the city. It's it's it's, it's you know the people here in Atlanta love to get outside, and um, so we're close. I mean, today we're we're close to 70 degrees, so um, yeah, I'll take it. All right, that, that I mean that sounds it's better than the DC winter, at least from my point of view. So <laughs> uh, you're doing better than me. <laughs> No, I bet. I, bet. I know. I mean, my, my parents, um, and I grew up in Indiana, so I, I know what harsh winters are all about. I, was, I grew up in northern Indiana, and, and they had a rough one, too. And, and uh, I have friends in D.C., and you know, all you have to do is look at their, their Instagram and see how, how bad it was, how cold it was. Well, I guess the uh, – I, I would assume, are you coming up for the match on Sunday? I will not be there. Okay, but the team will be experiencing a D.C. Uh, march at that point, uh, so they can give yeah, you the update on sure. how things are going. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that, that may play a factor. We'll see. Yeah, and, and that I definitely want to break down uh, the United versus United match, which is uh, coming up on Sunday at Audi Field. But uh, I kind of want to get a little bit of a, of a recap on what has been a very eventful winter and off-season for Atlanta United. Is it fair to say this has been their most eventful off-season since uh, the club's inception? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, it has been. Uh, you know, I think before, like even in 2017, when, you know, before they had even, you know, kicked the ball, uh, just like, you know, the, the the transfers and the signings, they were almost expected. And, and they, you know, a lot of the players were unknown to, to that Atlanta United fan base. You know, Leandro Gonzalez Pires was obviously a, a good player in Argentina and, 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 and he, you know, an up and coming player and he played at River Plate. But when he was signed here, everyone was like, who is this guy? And then, you know, then they signed Tito Villalba and it was like kind of like, who? And so, the, that for me was one of the biggest shifts that in this transfer window, all of a sudden Atlanta United was a major player and, and obviously had a lot to do with uh, Miguel Amiron now coming into his own and, and doing what we, you know, those of us that are close to the team and, and, and see them train and watch them play, you know, closely, it, you know, his, his, his transfer to, to the English Premier League was, was expected. 
Um, and so that that was the biggest piece, right? That was this inevitable move that you know really went down to the wire. Was you know the, the transfer was made on the last possible day of the of the January transfer window. Um, and then that was coupled with uh, Frank DeBoer coming in um, in the announcement coming in early December, um, and then he was he was presented uh, mid January. So a completely different culture is, is is also taking place right now in Atlanta. Uh, their best player, uh, in my estimation, I mean obviously they, they still have Joseph Martinez. He's a a record breaking goal scorer and a league MVP, but Miguel Almiron is just so difficult to replace. So. Both your your star player and and the manager Tata Martino that really got this all started that created the DNA the identity uh, he's gone too so the, while while the while the club wants to say that you know their culture uh, is, is, is will always be unchanged and, and they they want to play attack and they want to play attacking soccer they want to play fast you know new manager uh, it may change things and I think Frank De Boer. Uh, personality-wise, is completely different from what Tata Martino was. So there, there is already a change in how, um, you know, how he dresses his players, and, and and that dynamic changes immediately. And then he needs to get to get used to the roster, no matter how good the players are. Uh, you know, they showed on thir- last Thursday night against uh, Herediano in Costa Rica that they're they're still a work in progress. You brought up a great point about when the first wave of signings came in for Atlanta United. It, it was almost a situation, well, it was a situation where the club was a novelty uh, in the league and in Atlanta. Uh, do you find that the, the fan base is much more savvy as we start to replace the guys that we didn't know about when they came in? I feel like now the people that are coming in to replace those guys, the Atlanta United fans know all about. I would say it's a process. I think you know the Atlanta United fan base is is a unique one, and and again, I don't want to say that they're completely different from any other MLS fan base, but you know, I think it's it's somewhat split. You know, you have uh, fans here that are that got into the sport. You know, went to their first soccer game in 2017 uh, when Atlanta kicked off. Um, then you have Obviously, fans that are very knowledgeable, very educated, they, they, they've followed the sport their entire life. Maybe they played it or, or they have an English Premier team or a Serie A team or a La Liga team that, that they followed their, you know, growing up. And now this team, become, they adopted this team because it was, you know, it's their hometown team. So, you know, I think that's one factor. Not, not, every, not every fan of Atlanta United is just this, like, savvy transfer window guru. Um, and, and also, just tactically, it's not like everyone here just understands, you know, the difference between the 3-4-3 and how it can become a 5-4-1. No, I think a lot of people just have a lot of passion for this team. And, and they're learning about, you know, what is the, the profile of the player that the front office is looking for. And so, you know, that, that the pipeline to Argentina was this was kind of a big talking point last season and, and, and also in the first season because the players were coming from Argentina's Primera División. And so they started to get into that. But, you know, even with a guy like P.T. Martinez, who I, I still contend personally that his arrival, you know, he, he is the reigning South American player of the year, uh, a guy that in South America, you know, not just in Argentina, he is revered. He is considered a, a once in a generation talent, uh, he, despite maybe a slow crawl to, to that peak, but he he's an unbelievable talent. And here, and I just don't just mean Atlanta. I feel like in MLS, it's kind of like, okay, they signed him, you know, big deal, big player, big time player. Let's see what he can do. But 
it's almost as it's gone under the radar slightly. And so to, your, to answer your point, you know, not every Atlanta United fan knew who he was. You know, the Copa, Lib- Copa Libertadores was not this big tournament that Atlanta United fans were following. They got into it. Um, I, I felt like there was something happening at the end of last season and the beginning of this season where, where more fans were getting into it. But um, I think it's still it's a process. There, there, there is a, a growing process here of you know the fans getting more in tune with you know who these players are, what their backgrounds are, and, and why they're here. It's an interesting point and one that I hadn't thought about because you know so often we get into our insular uh, MLS world and we assume, uh, especially in in areas outside of of. Portland and, and Seattle and now Atlanta, you think, all right, well, there's 70,000 people there. All 70,000 people are huge invested MLS fans. And uh, it sounds to me as if maybe that's not the case. And, and and was there a lot of people or was there a segment of the fan base who were kind of confused as to why Miguel Amarone had to leave Atlanta United? I think so. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. You know, And that, that just goes to uh, you know, understanding players' ambitions, you know, and understanding the, understanding the club's business model, that uh, it wasn't an inevitable move. I mean, this is a player that since, you know, before he was even, you know, playing in MLS, you know, back when he was with Lanus in 2016, he, you know, he was very public, you know, I want to play in Europe. And so, and that was one of the reasons why he accepted, you know, you know, coming to this project, you know, becoming the face of a franchise, um, and, and coming to a league that is, is, let's be honest, just is dissed in South America still. Um, but he he believed in it. He knew that this this could be his his trampoline to, to, to Europe. And so uh, you know that that even though the, the the club was open about that, it wasn't like they were you know tweeting about it. Which so so fans some fans either understood it, others didn't. Why would he leave? Um, is he good enough? You know, that's mm. another thing. Yeah. Um, which, which I would love to get into because I think, you know, it's, it's just, you know, Miguel Marone is, is proven in two matches with Newcastle that he, he belongs. So, so, so that's, I think that's helping people ironically, like watching him perform um, in, in, in the premier league. Now it's like, okay, we get it. Like, you know, we knew he was good. We believed in him, but now, yeah, everyone knows he's he's good enough to play in that league, and and that that becomes like what Gary Neal has 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 said lately. It's like the proof of concept. You know, this is why players like him and PT, you know, come to Atlanta United. They want to be successful here. They, of course, they want to win. They want to get better, um, but they have goals to to play at the highest level. Uh, and, and my point was was kind of that that casual fan who probably thinks to themselves, U.S. sports is the the pinnacle of sports across mm-hmm. the world, and that person might go, "Well, oh, geez, you're playing in the United States. Why would you ever want to leave?" And you brought up a of great course. point about about Almiron leaving, and and I you said you wanted to talk about it, and I want to talk about it as well. So let's talk about it. And uh, my question is to you know the, you've talked to the guys in the locker room uh, since Almiron's debut. He's had a fantastic start to. His career in England and at Newcastle. Uh, is there a sense of pride? I know there's a sense of pride for me as an MLS fan, seeing somebody who had so much skepticism overseas about the the signing walk into the first team and and kind of put his hand up as a, I'm I'm kind of the best player on the pitch in these last two matches. Uh, is the is the team kind of like swelled with pride to see him go out and ball like he they knew he could? I mean, I think so. I think they all accept you know expected. It was funny because you know it. Literally in the locker room after MLS Cup, uh, you know, last this past season, you know, Atlanta United won the cup, and um, I had I, I kind of I ran into Miguel in the locker room and I asked him, 
Um, can, can you talk about your future? Like I, I knew what he was going to say and he told me exactly what I expected. No, I'm happy in Atlanta. I don't know anything about my future, you know, very, very, you know, cordial, but it was, you know, kind of like a PR answer. Um, and, and, you know, shortly thereafter, um, I had a chance to talk to Brad Guzan and he, and I asked him like, what do you think, uh, how do you think Mayo's going to do in Europe? And he was just blowing. He said, he's going to be fantastic in England. He'll do fantastic in England. And so it, it was funny because it was like, Brad, Brad Guzan didn't say Europe. He specifically said England. Mm. And, and, and I think they all knew, you know, especially at that point, you know, he, they, they won the cup. There's nothing really left for, for a guy like Miguel, you know, that, that wants to play in Europe. Like, why would he stay? He did. He came here. He won, he won the title. Now go. So I think, uh, the players are, that are close to him, um, you know, I spoke to Barco yesterday for a piece that I'm going to write, you know, coming up for the athletic and, and he misses him. They were very close and, and not just personally, um, as friends, but obviously, you know, on the pitch, you know, they, they, they're these unique types of players that understand each other as soon as they touch the ball. Uh, they understand each other quickly. They understand uh, the dynamics, the, the one-two touch, the, the the attacking South American way of play in the final third, and so uh, Barco was very adamant. Like we're going to miss him, you know that that that's that's that is going to happen, and 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 I think there is in general in Atlanta among the fans, definitely to your point, a sense of pride. You know, a guy that everyone here really rooted for and and, and hoped would make it to actually see him now playing. Um, is is a you know icing on the cake. Me personally, I I had no doubts, and and I don't mean that like I'm all knowing. I like, I saw the guy up front. I talked to him, you know, one on one several times. I saw him train. I saw him play. Um, and, you know, I felt like the 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 physicality thing that so many detractors wanted to place on him, and and often place on players that come from um, yeah, quote unquote lesser leagues or even from South America. Um, I thought was ridiculous because I mean, how? Tell me the last player that you think didn't didn't hack it in the Premier League because he wasn't physical enough. I, I can't come up with one, and there are plenty of players that right now excel, like Oso, Juan Mata, all these creative players that can play there. And Miguel had has the quality, he has the determination, which I think is number one. This is a, a guy that just wants it. Um, he's humble. And he's driven, and so um, it's been it's been fun to see him out there playing with the same smile that he's always had uh, when he was really killing it here in MLS. I've always I, I've always said, and I've tweeted this out a number of times that Atlanta United uh, nailed everything on the rollout to this club, and the first two years, uh, culminating with the championship in the second year, is just kind of confirming that. But my point has always been, this is great, and we nailed everything the first time. The true indicator of, I I don't want to say long-term success because any team can bounce back, but long-term viability in Atlanta and to keep the buzz and the excitement in the city that they have now, they've got to nail round two. And Mm -hmm. round two started last year with Barco, didn't go as well as round one, and now this is round 2.5 where now we've got the new coach, we've got the new marquee player, and let's see how uh, Barco does in his second year in MLS. Does it feel the same way in the city as you cover the team that – you know what? This this is a pretty big moment, and if if we don't if we swing and hit a home run on round two, round three, we've got a little more leeway. But if we don't hit round two, we're, we kind of stumbled all the way back to the beginning. I think it's a great point. I think yes, there there, there is probably a sense of 
what what is year three going to look like? Um, and 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 obviously losing three one in in Costa Rica um, last week uh, didn't help. And 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 I, and I think personally, Frank DeBoer really needed that win. You know, like he was his his resume. You know, other than four consecutive championships championships with Ajax uh, was was questioned. You know, when he was presented as coach, with you know his time at Inter and and his time at Crystal Palace were just you know forgettable moments. So I think he really needed that that win. And the fact that they just did not play well at all, they were outclassed, outplayed, out hustled, everything. Um, yeah, there's kind of this sense of like, what is this team going to look like? In, in year three. And, and I, I agree. Like, I think, first of all, it's too early to tell. You can't just, you know, base everything off of one game. Um, you know, their first competitive match, you know, after a short preseason. Um, but there is this, like, you know, that is the, the million dollar question. What, what will this fan base, how will they deal with, with, with adversity? How will they, how will they feel if this team struggles, you know, despite, the, the roster that they have and, and the, you know, the expectations all of a sudden are much higher now after winning a championship. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like you don't have, you don't really have the excuse. Oh, you know, Tata left and now we have a new coach. Yeah. But you still have Joseph Martinez. You have PT Martinez. You have that, like you mentioned, you have Ezekiel Barco that is, you know, despite his production um, being, you know, less than desired, he, he's a great player. You know, he's a great player. He could, walk back to Argentina today and be welcomed, you know, there would probably be a caravan of Independiente fans waiting for him at the airport. He would probably walk out. He could walk out of the airport on, on, on the fans' shoulders. So like, he's that type of talent. And, um, but that's not a guarantee in this league. And, and I think uh, this is a huge year. It's like a, in a lot of sports, year three is that hump. And, you know, I, I think that's what Atlanta United will deal with a lot this season. Can they get over that hump? Can they continue and be consistent? You know, every single year, maybe not win it every year, but can they? You know, w- what is what does success look like if they're not winning the championship? And so that, that that's that's difficult to live up to for any club. The second leg of their Concacaf Champions League is right around the time that this episode's dropping, so it's going to be difficult for us to kind of speculate, especially if it drops after. But I I do want to ask you. You've done a lot of writing this month about Frank De Boer and his integration into the Atlanta United structure. Uh, what are your thoughts? And you did a whole column on it on the Athletic about about uh, the increased uh, emphasis on squad rotation. How then do you go into leg two, knowing the result that you need to get to advance, balancing that out? And you touched on this, but now it's a little clearer after what happened in leg one. Balancing that with getting off to a good start in MLS is is there a de-emphasis now on Champions League after the result of the leg one? I, I, I woke up this morning thinking that exact same thing. Like, what what is this team? What will they look like on Thursday? What's the lineup? And 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 you know, I mean, Frank De Boer was also. I wouldn't say he was criticized, but at Crystal Palace, like there was, you know, there were rumors of, you know, he's a stubborn coach. Like we're going to play this way. I'm going to play with these players, you know, no matter what. So it's like, is will, will that side of his personality come out on Thursday? Will he just have the same exact lineup? We know today, uh, early this morning, that George Bellow will not play uh, because of an undisclosed injury. So already there is going to be a change um, on the left side of that lineup. Um, but but yeah, I think they they're behind. There's there are two goals behind, so they have to attack. And I think what was interesting was that they were so so unbalanced in in, in the first leg, and, and almost 
completely just, you know, they wanted to score so badly. They just wanted to play completely vertically from the get-go that they just, they lost their shape in in a matter of moments and an early goal killed them. So it'll be interesting to how they manage discipline, a little bit of tactical restraint. um, And at the same time, knowing that they need to score and they cannot concede. Uh, so, so I think this Thursday one, you know, I expect to see Breck Shea um, on the field starting on the left side, um, you know, for, for obvious reasons. One, because, you know, the previous starter, Bello, you know, 17-year-old kid, uh, struggled a little bit, but I think that's fine. You know, one of those guys that I think, you, you know, that you, they have to play in those moments in order to get better, but he's out because of injury. And so I think Breck Shea brings, he brings a little bit of experience. He brings a lot of technique, a lot of skill, but he can also get forward. So, you know, I think that'll be the one wrinkle. Um, and, and Darlington Nagby, you know, has to start. He, you know, he, he, he it looked like he was kind of in the midst of a holdout, um, and so he missed a lot of training, and obviously he did not start in the game last Thursday. Uh, when he did come on, uh, they, they were a lot better, um, but it was too little too late. So I, I expect to see him um, in the starting lineup, and, 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 you know, this is a team that can attack. You know, it's, it's just can they get back? Can, can they defend? Uh, uh, at the same time and, and avoid conceding any more goals. So it's 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 kind of like all of a sudden when the priority seemed like it was Champions League, I still think it is because I don't think Frank DeBoer will, will pull a Greg Vanny, like what Greg Vanny said last night, like, okay, this tournament's behind us, now we can focus on MLS. Yeah. I think it would be a big disappointment if this team gets eliminated in the first round of the Champions League. Um, and and it would yes of course they can now focus on on MLS but it's it's one trophy that they wanted to win that they need to forget about and and I know the players that I've seen throughout the week since last Thursday they were very disappointed in their performance it was not something that they took lightly. You also wrote about uh, especially from Michael Parkhurst's point of view about the uh, investment that they have in Frank DeBoer and their belief in what he brings to the table. Uh, listen, you, you, they're not going to say that it's wavered in the last week based on one result, but uh, was it was it a little more tense at training as we get ready for leg two and in, in starting of the MLS season? You know, actually, no. Like, uh, I, I thought the players were really loose. Uh, I, you know, Joseph Martinez, you know, a guy that you're not really sure what what side of his personality you're going to get. Um, he was very, you know, kind of hyper and happy. You know, he was available to the media yesterday, uh, and, and then I ran into him kind of in the lobby area of their facility while I was talking to Barco, and he was kind of just like messing with Barco during the middle of my interview, and you know, kind of like making fun of the kid that you know he was talking to me, and 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 Jeff Lernowitz came out, and, and a lot of other guys were just like they they looked really loose. I think that's a great question because I was wondering the same thing. Um, you know, would they be kind of shielding themselves from from media? Would they not? Would they be sure with their answers? And I don't think that was the case. I, I think this is a team that they probably know that they did not, you know, perform well, but they know what they have. They know the quality that they have. But, you know, I think, you know, man to man, they're a better team than Herediano, and 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 that's that's just that's the fact. I think we we can all admit that. So I think they have a lot of confidence in themselves. They've been in this situation before. You know, they they, they you know Atlanta United. They've they've had some pretty poor performances in, in their two years in, in MLS, and they've consistently bounced back from those. I think that's I think that's the one thing that Tato Martino did very well. Even though he had some forgettable performances, you know the team did. He was always he always seemed like he, he got them up the next game, and they would go on these runs and 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 win and and, and just play a lot better. So that that to me is 
is my question about Frank DeBoer. And I've been saying this since, you know, January, um, you know, what is, how does he deal with this, with the, the squad? You know, how do they deal with him when things aren't going well? Um, you know, what is his, what are his halftime adjustments look like? So I think that's all going to, we're, we're going to see that both this Thursday and, and Sunday against DC United. We're going to start to see how he manages this team. It'll, it's, and I will have to, full disclosure, I am a huge, unabashed lover of Ajax. I have an Ajax tattoo <laughs> on my body. Oh, so, no so when DeBoer was announced, I was one of those people that was like, fantastic hire. And it's weird yeah. because in almost, I, I really can't think of another MLS situation where if you hired Frank DeBoer as your coach, there would be anything but, oh, great, that's an awesome hire except for Atlanta United because of what Tata had set up. So yeah. I, I, in my opinion, and, and I'd lo- I want your boots-on-the-ground uh, thoughts on this, What Pitti Martinez is Pitti Martinez. So it's almost like, look, Almiron's leaving, but we have one of the best players in South America and, as voted, the best player in South America coming in to replace him. That should be okay. Is Frank DeBoer the one on with the most pressure on his shoulders going into the season? He's definitely under pressure, of course. You know, you know, Tata Martino is under severe pressure, in my in my opinion. And and I spoke to some sources throughout the season where that that confirmed that. You know, he this this wasn't a cushy job for Tata Martino, which was was this narrative that was always kind of floating around, like, oh, he's not in Argentina anymore. This is easy. No, he had to win here too. Like, you know, we don't know the full story of why he left yet. You know, like. I think he is kind of like, you know, made for, for national team management. I think that suits him a little bit better. Um, but still, like, he was under extreme pressure here. The team had to win. Uh, you know, he, he didn't, he has a, a poor history of winning finals. And so all these things are working against him. He gets it done, but not because it was easy. And so Frank DeBoer, I believe, I, I agree with you. I think it is a great hire. And it's, it's, it's interesting that for Atlanta United, it's kind of like you're not sure, though, because of the South American contingent that's here. And, and, and how does that jive with like a European style of, of play or European style of management for that reason? Um, the fact that he is speaking English, you know, he's fluent in Spanish. It's not excellent, but it's very good. Uh, he can do interviews in Spanish. He can talk tactics in Spanish. But he, according to Michael Parker, what he told me is that he's asking the players to learn English. And mm-hmm. so that's a, a big change in culture. Um, and so, yeah, he even though squad rotation was something that he has been very open about ever since his, his, his first press conference. Um, and I feel like when a, when a manager does that, it's almost as if, like, you're taking a little bit of pressure off him, him or the team, really. That, you know, new players are going to play, young players are going to play. You can't expect us to score 70 goals again for the third year in a row. We may not just dominate the league. But that doesn't mean that the pressure is off. Like, they still have to win. Darren Eels is very adamant. We want to we want to compete for every trophy. Um, but I think there will be uh, – I think he has different expectations, you know, different objectives from Tata Martino. Um, but the one that's happening Thursday night, uh, that is one of the, their main objectives. That, like I said before, if they get eliminated, it's not something that they just brush brush off and say, "Okay, now we focus." I think that's a, a big blow, and and it'll be interesting how DeBoer then uh, communicates that 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 type of uh, failure, air quotes, if you will, or so early in the season, and how they refocus. 
the as we focus on Sunday and MLS, I, I'm sure you haven't, and or even if you have, they probably haven't given much answers on on the first match of MLS season because they're they're laser focused on leg two of Concacaf Champions League. But uh, this is an FC Cincinnati coming to town, a team that you know nothing about and looks a little shaky on paper, and it's their first MLS mm-hmm. match. This is this is a team that, by all accounts, is going to be in the running for MLS Cup, a team that. Um, hasn't had Atlanta United's number in the sense that they did in season one, but still has had more success against Atlanta than most clubs have had. Um, is this a big game? And I know it's the opening match, but is this a big game for Atlanta United? It is. It's a big game. I think it's a, it's 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 a it's a huge game. It's a huge game because of just the personalities on the field, uh, the fact you know how 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 much. DC United really just truly improved towards the end of that season. And to your point, now they are a contender. Um, and, and, you know, you also mentioned this, like, you know, Atlanta United could not beat DC United in 2017. They just could not beat them. And they were one of the worst teams in the league. They didn't have Wayne Rooney yet. Um, and, and in 2018, they kind of tested each other, right? They took some wins from each other at home. Um, and and it got, it's, I just think it's a very even uh, matchup and and towards the end of the last season when the when the playoffs were coming, I can tell you that you know based on my Twitter feed, the the fans did not want to see DC United. I was raising my hand saying I would love to see that matchup in the playoffs, um, and and the fans were like, no, please, like do not, we do not want to even smell DC. <laughs> we do not we do not want to see them. They're dangerous. You know, Lucho was really you know, he just played so great at the end of the season. So was Wayne Rooney. Obviously, Jimmy Lasad uh, at the time was, you know, he's like this darling here in Atlanta, so they didn't want to face him either. Um, but, yes, it's a big game. I think it's it's interesting that Atlanta United, uh, in year three, we go back to kind of that that that, that, that storyline, is that they, they start their, their, their competitive season with a very difficult matchup in, in CONCACAF Champions League. They weren't playing, and I said this before, you know, with all due respect to the, the champions of Guatemala, they weren't playing the champions of Guatemala. They're they're playing a perennial champion in in Herediano out of Costa, Costa Rica, despite their struggles. Still a very tough opponent, um, and then, so it's funny that in their league opener, they're also playing a very tough opponent. So it's how does how does this team react? They they have no no margin for error. They cannot be complacent, and that's something that I I, I talked a lot with. Uh, with Michael Parkhurst, um, it didn't make it its way completely into the story. But I asked him, like, how do how does this team avoid the hangover? How does how do you avoid complacency? And, and his answer was, you know, the fact that we're playing Champions League and that we have a new staff, just like there's no way you can be complacent. But I think to your point, the fact that they're playing these big games so early, you know, they have to wake up, they have to be ready, um, because you know they know they they have the target on their backs. They've had it since honestly since they came into the league. Uh, and, and they're going to be playing away. Yeah, I'm sure Audi Field is going to be rocking, and, and, and yeah, they're going to have to step up and, and get a result. And, you know, um, obviously you gave the answer. The other thing is last year Atlanta came out and got worked uh, in their opening match on the road against Houston. Right. The difference is, listen, they recovered, they got their footing on, and obviously they went on their championship. You, you, can't, you can't come out and get worked against an Eastern Conference foe. It's not the same thing as, as doing something uh, in, another mm-hmm. con- in the other conference. And it's going to be difficult. And so this is the one thing I'll ask you to speculate on uh, as far as what you think you will see in the lineup for CONCACAF Champions League as opposed to what we will see Sunday at Audi Field for first MLS match of the season. <laughs> 
It's a great question again because I, I feel like they don't they can't afford to to rest players, right? You know, rest. You know, it's again, it's not a Western Conference opponent. It's it's what you know in in South America is called like a direct rival, right? Like it's it's that team that you might be battling with till the very end um, to secure either you know a Champions League spot or a playoff spot or or an Eastern Conference title. So it is. It, it, they they don't have that luxury of saying, well, you know, no matter what happens in 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 the second leg of the Champions League on Thursday night, you know, we're going to play a lot of second teamers against DC United. There's just no way. Like they can't. They to your point, they can't afford to to lose to a, to a, an Eastern Conference final uh, so early in the season. Now they could play with their strongest lineup and still lose, and and, and yeah, that that's just how soccer is. But I think psychologically. Um, and, and going back to Frank DeBoer, for him, it's just so important to to get a win. You know that this the, I, I can guarantee that's the one thing that his staff really is just really wants is is to taste victory, um, especially coming from where they were just a few months ago. Uh, and, you know, I watched a lot of interviews that Frank DeBoer gave in England, um, you know, before, when he was already out at Crystal Palace. And, and he, the, the one thing I admire the most about him is he's very open. You know, he's not as outgoing as Tata Martino, but I, I find him to be somewhat open. He's not completely closed-minded and, and short with his answers. And in England, he was like, yeah, they were very disappointed. You know, that, that was not something that was a fluke. Um, I think they wanted to do well, and I don't think they were. Give, he feels like they were given the chance, and so imagine now get, getting, you know, inheriting this like this Lamborghini. Like yep. you want to win the race, you you want you don't want to crash it your first time out, and so that that's why that game on Sunday is just is massive for the club. We had Pablo on. We had Paul Tenorio on. I I am unabashed in my love of the Athletic and their coverage <laughs> of of MLS. Uh, now we've got Felipe on and uh, talking Atlanta United. And I I said when we had Paul on, it's it's hundred percent worth the money. Uh, I saw you tweet yesterday about the the cleanness of the app. The app is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also said with Paul search around there's always a place where you can get a discounted subscription and then as soon as mls season starts you guys roll out a subscription or a discounted script subscription so uh let everybody know this is the time to subscribe to the athletic if you've been thinking about it because you got a deep discount what's the discount and, and how do we sign up yeah I, I, listen I, I know i know a lot of people it's people that follow me on twitter like i don't you know i don't have like this massive following but i have followers that follow me and, and like my tweets my tweets and retweet my my, my Atlanta United stuff but they're still not subscribers to the athletic so it's it's like what are you waiting for this yep. is the perfect time right before MLS uh, season kicks off and and yes you get 40% off your subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash MLS 40 uh, and and it's it's 40% off your a one-year subscription and I think the one thing that people forget is it's not just MLS it's not just soccer right like you get global soccer coverage yes uh, and you get a really in-depth um, reporting um, in MLS and, and across the European leagues um, a lot of them but you also get access to great content from you know the NFL NBA college football so your favorite team that you may not didn't know or you're not following um, is there for you as well and, and I think you know what, what Paul who you know He's my guy, you know. Paul Paul kind of found me and 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 gave me this opportunity along with along with George Karashi and and it's great. I love writing in this type of space. I love the freedom that we get to really chase um, different stories 
and, and, and do them for the readers. I think that's what I always say. This is about the readers, about the subscribers. You know, they drive our content um, and, and they push us to always, um, you know, really exceed our own expectations. And, and me personally, I always want my next story to be better than the previous one. That's just a personal thing. But, um, you know, I, I look at it from a user experience and yeah, the, the app is great. It's ad free. Uh, you can create kind of your own content, set your profile, follow the, the writers that you like, follow the teams that you like. So it's kind of a unique way to really engage um, with sports today. It's it's awesome, and uh, you summed it up perfectly. And uh, it, the other good thing is if you subscribe now, Felipe has been writing his ass off for the last month. So you're <laughs> getting all this extra content basically for the price of a, of a subscription right now. So it's fantastic. And uh, Felipe, thank you so much. Uh, I, I do some business down in Atlanta, so uh, I want to be checking in with Atlanta United throughout the season, and I hope that we can talk again at some point to, uh, to get a, a little State of the Union at some point, or the State of the U- United at some point. Well, let's do it. You know, like I actually, the, the, I'm, I'm writing a, a piece that's kind of like that. So uh, I cannot procrastinate anymore. I'm going to go and, 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 and finish that. But, but yes, like anytime um, you're in Atlanta or anytime you want to talk, you know, Atlanta United, uh, I'd love to join, join the pod again. show information, go to pitchpass.com.